Hi, this is Ruby Skinner. I have the pleasure today to interview Dr. Jamie Coleman. Our topic relates to career advancement, particularly early on in a trauma surgeon's career, where there's a decision to leave an institution and take on uh, one's first job chain, uh, change. Moving up the academic ladder, perhaps taking on a directorship, requires strategy, opportunity, and good mentorship. We thought it would be fitting to interview Dr. Coleman as she recently took on a position at Denver's, uh, Denver Health Level 1 Trauma Center. Uh, she's an associate professor of surgery and the director of communications and outreach for the Department of Surgery there. So congratulations, Jamie, and thank you for agreeing to uh, talk to us today. Of course. No, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Great. Um, I, I thought we'd start out with, um, you know, just you sharing some information about your background, your training, um, and how your experiences at your first position led to uh, led you to where you are now. Absolutely. So uh, let's see here. Starting back, medical school was at the University of Tennessee in Memphis, followed by five years of general surgery residency at the Rush University Cook County Hospital uh, Integrated <laughs> Residency Program. Mm -hmm which was then followed by another two years of Trauma and Surgical Critical Care Fellowship at Grady Memorial in Atlanta. My first job was on faculty at Indiana University, and I was on faculty there for six years prior to moving here in June. Wow, okay. So um, you, you started out at Indiana, and um, you started out as, as an assistant professor of surgery there, I'm sure. Um, what what was your experiences like? Uh, how how did you interact with your uh, mentors, and what do you think were some of the important um, you know milestones uh, early on uh, to facilitate uh, uh, this job change? Sure. You know, I was very fortunate. My mentors, Dr. Feliciano and Dr. Rosicki, were with me as well at Indiana University, mm -hmm. and so it was it was great. It was a you know. A, kind of a seamless transition, I guess you could say, from a mentorship aspect from fellowship through my first job. And mm -hmm. I'm so appreciative and grateful for that. Because I think the first job, you know, your first couple of years, first one to three years is really just, especially if you haven't trained there, it's learning the institution, learning the system you're in, having people get to know you, and just trying to function as a surgeon. Right. Um, and again, you know, having that seamless transition of mentorship was key because, you know, they set goals for me as a fellow and then as faculty, you know, as partners, really working together at pretty uh, frequent intervals, looking at where mm -hmm. I am from a research standpoint, from a society engagement standpoint, from a clinical mm -hmm. practice standpoint. And really kind of saying, okay, where are we? What are we doing? Where are we headed next? And really, you know, the first couple of years was focused on clinical practice, just showing right. up, taking the call, getting to know the nurses, having the nurses get to know you, knowing your colleagues in the hospital. But after that, you know, kind of first two to three years, it's really sure. more of, okay, now I've done it, you know. Um, right, right, right. So much of our lives is a treadmill. You go mm -hmm. to medical school, and it's the step program. you got to take these tests, you got to get these scores, and then you get into residency. And residency, same thing. It's just a different treadmill. It's you need to do these rotations at these times, this, you know, length of time 
and then for, you know, 80, 85% of residents, then it's fellowship. Fellowship, mm-hmm. same thing. It's these rotations, et cetera, et cetera. And then when you start your first job, it's like, okay, where are the bathrooms? Who do right, I right, go right. to to get this done? You know, um, what's the backup system? What kind of cases do I need help with? What kind of cases do I not need help with? Et cetera. And then it's really kind of after the first couple years in your first job where you step off the treadmill. And mm-hmm. it's not mm-hmm. this sort of prescribed length of time, rotations, expectations, um, that are very set and standard for everybody. And so that's really, I think, when the mentorship was – it's always helpful, but that's when it was really helpful for me um, because then it became Jamie's career. Because my right. residency looked like every other co-resident's residency right. to a certain extent, right? right? Same thing for fellowship, right. same thing for medical school. Exactly. And then your career, you know, and it's a weird sensation. You know, you spend mm-hmm. so much time um, – kind of on this set schedule and all of a sudden it's like oh wait what do I want to research what do I want to do how Mm -hmm. do I want to shape my career how is my career going to look different from the others in my group from my partners etc so I think that's when for me it was really a um a milestone I guess was getting off that Mm -hmm. treadmill and really doing Mm -hmm. a lot of introspection about what do I think I can offer to the community, mm-hmm. to our patients, et cetera, that might be different from my partners. Right. No, I, I think that's a, a great analogy, the treadmill, um, you know, being for the training part and for the early uh, parts of your career. But once you're off that treadmill, then it's uh, important, and I think it just naturally one starts to think about establishing a unique perspective and identity. And uh, that's, you know, a, a very important transition, obviously. Um, you talk about mentorships. You, you seem to, you know, have been very fortunate to, you know, work with your mentors who are, you know, uh, uh, big names in the field and uh, obviously who had, you know, a significant impact on you early on. Uh, to have to work with your mentors during your first job I think is, is great, um, you know, and, and that obviously would, uh, you know, I'm sure facilitated uh, this, you know, um, advancement that you've done. Um, what do you, how do you think um, organizations early on in your career, East AAST, did you know how did how did those organizations impact you know your um, evolution, if you will? You know, they made a huge impact. I, I can't tell people enough. You know, when we talk about careers, a lot of times what we're talking about is trajectory. You know, mm-hmm. it's. Um, where would I be without this experience? Or where could I go with this experience? And, mm-hmm. again, I was very fortunate. Um, my mentors were definitely local, obviously, with Dr. Feliciano and Dr. Rizicki. But because of East and because of Dr. Kim Nagy, who I can't forget, she was my uh, one of my big mentors in residency who, as mm-hmm. you know, is a – not just a past president of East, but the first female president of East. And she got me coming to East as a resident. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you enough because I got to meet people. And I'm meeting people, and they're telling me about their fellowships. And I can get a feel for the leadership um, and the personalities mm-hmm. that are at these programs before I even went to go interview. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
right. then on the interview trail, you know, again, you're meeting people. And, again, it's such a small world, but you're meeting people on interviews that even if I didn't meet them at East the first time, then the next time I was at East, I would see them and say, right. hi, you know, thank you so much. It was great to meet you then. And, um, you know, then, of course, there was always some good-natured ribbing. I was like, oh, well, you know, where did you end up going for fellowship? wasn't with us, you know. Um, <laughs> right. And it was always good-natured, and it was always, where are you now? What are you doing? That connection has been made. And mm-hmm. East in particular, um, I started going – my first WST meeting uh, occurred during my fellowship. So East for me was really the first – national kind of organization involvement and it's just grown from there i just love the message of it i love the inclusiveness of it and it absolutely has played a role not just in the sense of going but then getting involved meeting more Mm -hmm. people and it's Mm -hmm. funny you know when i uh was deciding about this job transition Mm-hmm. I picked up the phone and I called people from all over the country, all of whom mm-hmm. are East members, right. who know me. They knew the players, you know, where I was, where I was thinking about going, and they were able to give me advice in a way that sometimes your partners, it's too close, you know? Right. Sometimes your partners can't give you that advice. And, you know, there's, again, whenever you're interviewing somewhere, the people that are there obviously can only give you a certain amount of advice either. But it's people that have known you since you were a resident. Right. They've been with you, mm-hmm. you know, through fellowship, friends, colleagues. They can give you that outside advice, knowing all the players, knowing you, mm-hmm. probing questions, you know, where do you want to be? But not just where in terms of geography, but where do you want to be in five years? Where do you want to be in ten years? Mm-hmm. Um, Elliot Howe, um, right. Oscar Geeman Daigie, Otto Heider. Mm-hmm. These are all people, just to name a few, that I literally mm-hmm. picked up the phone and I called. And I wouldn't have right. had that advice. I wouldn't have had that insight. I wouldn't have gained that perspective from those people if it were not for East. Right. Right. I, I think that, you know, definitely underscores um, what you just uh, said, just really underscores the the importance of uh, East and organizations like that uh, for um, you know, surgeons for young surgeons, um, um, and I, I think the uh, expansion of your network is is important um, at all times in your career, but particularly early on as you're kind of evolving and and transitioning and things like that. I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about social media. I think um, you know I am I am uh, not a I'm a novice when it comes to social media. Um, but you are obviously um, an expert and um, have really um, made, you know, that's been a, a has really made an impact um, uh, in in the trauma world using Twitter and things like that. How how did you use um, uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, things like that in your job search, and how important is that for a job search? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know what? It didn't really play a role in mm-hmm. uh, my job search per se, mm-hmm. other than, again, I think once you meet people like at East, like at WSC, and you form these um, relationships, it's a way for you to maintain contact and strengthen those relationships. So even mm-hmm. though, yes, the annual scientific assembly is one time a year, you're still having communication, you're still having conversations with people that you've met from that meeting that then 
become your support system when you have, whether it's clinical question, career question, et cetera. You know, mm-hmm. the, what I'll say about the job search is, um, you know, it all started actually with someone calling me, um, asking me to if I would ever, you know, think about moving to, you know, their city and think about a job at their institution. And I was like, ooh, yeah, of course. I mean, it, you know, location-wise, it was, it was great for family, et cetera. And, um, so then w- once, you, once you go look, though, people know. Mm-hmm. Um, so right, then it, right. it actually, I, I technically never looked. It was people called and asked me to mm-hmm. come look at places, and I looked at some and didn't look at others. Um, mm-hmm. So it's definitely the one piece of advice I'll give you is that, you know, once you start looking, um, mm-hmm. definitely know that everyone's going to know. Right, <laughs> um, right. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, in terms of and people were polite, you know, um, I waited a bit before talking to my partners about it um, just because, again, I, I wasn't. 100% looking per se, and then once it started, I think the other thing to keep in mind is, you know, timing, and timing really mm-hmm. is everything. I think for me, I was six years on faculty. Um, I think mm-hmm. I, if it had just been me alone, I think definitely I would have liked maybe another one to two years um, mm-hmm. at that current job, but my husband uh Went back to law school, which I was very proud about, very excited about, Mm -hmm. and he needed to take the bar exam. And there's Mm -hmm. no reciprocity, really, um, from Indiana to other states um, Mm -hmm. that was readily available. So, in other words, Mm -hmm. if we were going to move, you know, that was kind of the time to move. Or we were going to have to kind of commit and stay for several more years at IU. Um, And so it kind of became a natural breaking point. For me to say, mm-hmm. you know, once people started calling me, say, you know what, maybe our, maybe now really is a good time to look and consider a move. Mm-hmm. So it was really that kind of combination of the initial phone call at once's institution kind of starting things off, and then secondly, the natural rhythm of my family and where right. they were. Um, right. My son just started kindergarten here in Denver, so it was before starting mm-hmm. elementary school. It was for my husband, mm-hmm. so. It's kind of a natural time for me to really look. Mm-hmm. No, that's uh, that's uh, very important. You, you know, familiar obligations. Um, you know, your 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 spouse's um, uh, career considerations, and also you know, taking into consideration where your uh, children are and their education and things like that. You know, obviously, are going to impact uh, your decisions where and when to move. Um, so I think that that's uh, very important as well. But, you know, it is, like you said, at about, you know, five, six years, um, maybe a little bit longer, um, you know, going from assistant to associate professor and kind of moving up, you know, that's kind of the time frame, you know, if that uh, job change is going to occur, that it it may occur, you know, early on. Um, uh, Let's switch gears a little bit again and talk about the issue of a, a title. You know, typically uh, when a person moves up, um, you know, it may or may not come with a title, a directorship of some sort, a director of an ICU or, you know, a fellowship director. What are your thoughts about that and and taking that into into consideration for a job change? Yes. 
the ever, you know, the everlasting <laughs> question of title. Right. Um, right. You know, it's funny. If you look at just my CV, it would probably pretty much look like a lateral move that I made from mm-hmm. IU here to Denver Health. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not in other ways. Um, but from a title, you know, if you're just going to look at a title. Um, right. But, again, that's not really what it's about, right? When we talk mm-hmm. about making a move, mm-hmm. it's about lateral moves. Uh, it's like frowned upon or a no-no or something maybe you shouldn't consider or a vertical move. In other words, what is this move going to gain you? And uh-huh. when people ask me this, it's funny, you know, there were titles that I was offered um, you know, over the phone, like to come interview for, that definitely would have been on first inspection or on, you know, just CV review. Oh, this is clearly a move up. But it right. wasn't for a position that I was even interested in. Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. didn't even go interview for one of them. In fact, when I asked them, I was like, no, you know, I just I don't think that's the right fit for me. Um, mm-hmm. And I think. It's a little bit like pretty is as pretty does. A title is right. as a title does. And this is mm-hmm. that if the title gives you opportunities that you are excited about that will help advance your career, that's mm-hmm. great. But if the title doesn't give you that, then moving, it may look great on your CV, but it's right. not actually a vertical move. Right. So there's right. the titles in terms of horizontal, vertical, and then mm-hmm. there's the actual job and the actual mm-hmm. opportunities. Because really, mm-hmm. to me, what a move should do is it should change, hopefully for the better, alter, improve, et cetera, your trajectory. In other words, mm-hmm. opportunities. Mm-hmm. Is it going to give you the opportunities to, whether it's improve your research, um, mm-hmm. give more mentorship, broaden your clinical experience, uh, give you mm-hmm. opportunities for leadership, whether that's right. very formal, such as like program right. director or ICU director, et cetera, or is it more organic than that? So less of a title, but more opportunity. And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I think then it becomes you using those opportunities to make it clear on your CV that it was not a lateral move. Mm-hmm. But I don't think mm-hmm. people should move just for a title, um, right. regardless of what that title is, it needs to it needs to be the right opportunity. Right. Um, that, and I think, like yeah, I said, I, I, I think you know people get people definitely get uh, caught up in that. And I think it's then you know this whole well, it's going to look bad on your CV. Not if you take those opportunities, and whether it's mm-hmm. through more research, um, more teaching awards, more. Mm-hmm international or national uh, reputation building, whatever it is, as long as those opportunities translate to real work product, whatever that is, Mm -hmm. then don't worry about the title. Worry about the work product. No, I I think that is well stated. Uh, You know, a title doesn't necessarily mean leadership or leadership opportunities. And I I think it's unique. It has to be unique to you know, to to the person. And can you kind of explore that a little bit more in regards to, you know, what you're doing um, in, you know, communications and outreach and how this position um, um, uh, is allowing you to, to reach those goals? 
You know, it's funny. I um, Again, when you start talking about, you know, treadmills, and you get on these mm-hmm. treadmills, and for a lot of us, you start, and the idea of leadership in the world of trauma means, okay, I'm going to start somewhere, I'm going to work a few years, and I'm going to become, uh, then I want to be a trauma medical director somewhere. And then mm-hmm. after trauma medical director, I want to be division chief. And division chief and its mm-hmm. chair. You know, it's just sort of mm-hmm. very prescribed and very narrow sense of what leadership really is. Um, right. And I kind of fell into writing. Um mm-hmm. With a blog, I um, no longer write for that um, blog, but starting there, and it kind of became a a thing of its own, which then led to contributing for the Huffington Post, which then led to some opportunities with Forbes, which then led Mm -hmm. to my current contract with U.S. News and World Report. Um, So, again, is that that typical? No. Um, Mm -hmm. Is that something that five years ago – I had a clear idea was going to be a part of my career, and the answer is no. But when I think back to mission statement, right, and it it all goes back Mm -hmm. to what are we here for and what do we want to accomplish? And for me, Mm -hmm. it's always been I've wanted to impact the care of the trauma patient beyond just that of my operating room. Mm -hmm. And so we can do that a myriad of ways. I mean, I can do that through research. I can do that through injury prevention. I can do that through right. education. I can do that through mm-hmm. um, program Im- improvement uh, mm-hmm. uh, committees or programs uh, through my local community, local hospital. There, It's a variety of ways. But I think for me it became, okay, this is an opportunity for me in terms of injury prevention, in terms of telling Mm -hmm. the story of what trauma really is in this country and Mm -hmm. helping to inform people and potential patients and their families as to what can potentially Mm -hmm. help them get through this time. And so still meeting my mission statement, not how Mm -hmm. I thought it was going to look, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's what really this job is about is developing that arena through local media, um, Mm -hmm. whether it's TV, radio, et cetera, um, as well as our outreach to other Mm -hmm. hospitals in the, Mm -hmm. not just Denver area, but Colorado and really in the Rocky Mountain region. And it's really focusing on that aspect of how we can make trauma patients do better or even better, mm-hmm. have them not become mm-hmm. trauma patients, just in a mm-hmm. slightly different way. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. You know, what you're, you're talking about mission statement, things like that. And, you know, it really, when you think about it, um, each individual surgeon or each individual person um, is really a, a business, a brand. And I think, you know, the training is the treadmill, but then early on in one's career, you start really developing that brand, if you will. Um, you know, and uh, uh, what are your thoughts about that? I mean, when does branding to you start? You know, I guess for me, um, I think it's getting to know yourself. I think introspection is really mm-hmm. key. And I think it's obviously Mm -hmm. key for a lot of things um, in terms of performance, how you get along with your colleagues, you know, how Mm -hmm. we can do things better, um, Mm -hmm. even when things go right. 
always asking yourself, how mm-hmm. can things go better? But I think right. introspection in the sense of, what do I like to do? Because, mm-hmm. again, you're, you've been on these treadmills for so long, right? And so to right. a certain extent, right. you know, like, okay, for me, like, breast surgery, I knew very early, I was like, this is, this is not for me. Um, so, mm-hmm. yes, you get a sense of what you do or don't like, but you're kind of given these choices. Like, here are the mm-hmm. different specialties. Mm-hmm. Try them on. What do you like? What do you not like? Pick one. Go. And then once you mm-hmm. pick the specialty, it's, it's similar in this sense of, okay, you're here, now work. But it's really mm-hmm. so much more nuanced than that in the sense of right. what are you good at? What right. are you not good at? Mm-hmm. Um, are you good at numbers? Are you good with people? Are you good with, um, you know, looking at a process and trying to make it better? You know, there's so many things so many aspects and nuances within our field and within our each individual job that then I think mm-hmm. it takes a lot of introspection and saying, what do I want out of this? What can I add mm-hmm. to it? And equally, you know, mm-hmm. what am I not good at? Like uh, this may right. be, you know, exactly what I think I want, but you know what? Upon review of what my strengths and weaknesses are, that's actually not a good fit. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the key part. And I think for me, you know, a mission statement um, is your is your life raft? It's your life vest. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, because no matter right. what you do, right. whether you take the job, whether you don't take the job, whether you um, take the promotion, don't take the promotion, no matter what you do, you're gonna have a bad day. Mm-hmm. You're gonna have several bad days. There are gonna be days right. that you want to rethink all of your life choices. <laughs> like, how mm-hmm. did I end up here? And that is where you take the mission statement out and you say, okay, am I still meeting these goals? Am I still Mm -hmm. living a life and leading a career that is helping me meet these goals? And the answer is going to be yes. Okay? I can already tell you the answer. The answer is going to be yes. But what it does is in the storm when everything's going wrong and things feel bad and they look bad, et cetera, say, you know what? this is a bad day. This doesn't mean mm-hmm. that I made the wrong choice. And even if I did make the wrong choice, this is going to help me get direction out mm-hmm. of my wrong choice. Right. And so I can't impress upon people enough. What I, I think of is the most important, you know, four sentence paragraph you could ever write in your life. Mm-hmm. Because it's something tangible. It's something that gives you direction. It's something that keeps you afloat during the bad times and keeps you uh, on the right path even during the good times. You're going to have lots of choices, lots of opportunities. Which ones do you take? Which ones do you not take? And it's what helps keep you on the right path. Right. Oh, that's great. That's great. So, you know, think, you know putting that putting that together, you know, uh, thinking back to when you first, when you took on your first job and you negotiated that position in that contract um, to now, where you are now, and having, being focused, you know, knowing, um, uh, identifying your uniqueness and your goals, how was it different when you negotiated this position in this contract? I mean, it's definitely night and day. You know, when you, when you finish when you finish fellowship, you're like, oh wow, there. It's a job, yeah. That, it's a job, right? And it's a job with money 
more than, right. you know, minimum wage. So, <laughs> right. you know, I mean, calling it negotiating my first contract is probably too strong of a word. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. There was a little bit of back and forth, right, with all the advice and sure that people give you and things you can think about. But to a certain extent, you know, especially for me, starting at a new place, I was to a certain extent you're an unknown quantity. Um, right. And I think – you don't really know what you want. You've been on a treadmill, like I said, you know. So no one's right. ever asked you what you've wanted or what you right. need for your own development or your own career. I mean, I think, you know, I, again, I think, yes, there's advice to give, and you should ask around and ask for opinions. But comparing that to the second job where, you know, people start to know you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, again, it's a small world, so they know mm-hmm. – even if you haven't met them before, they have a sense of who you are, especially, again, through right. East, through WAC, through these um, amazing national organizations that help you network and expand your support system. And so I think it's twofold. I think, one, is people start to know you better, mm-hmm. obviously, than when they know you from a fellowship. And then secondly, I think you know yourself better. Mm-hmm. You know what you actually do need. You've had mm-hmm. a job, what worked, what mm-hmm. didn't work. Mm-hmm. What would have been nice to have in that first job to really, right. again, help mm-hmm. um, impact that trajectory? Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it, short version is it's it's definitely night and day. I think it's definitely more calculated. It's more pointed. It's um, more specific and more ne- unique to yourself. Right. But I also think right. it's easier because it's easier now having had a job to say, this isn't going to work for me. Hands mm-hmm. down, it's not going to work. Or, yeah, this could work, but I need some things here. Or this mm-hmm. will absolutely work. And most of the time, ob- yeah. obviously, we're we're in that middle category of, you know, no job is, quote, unquote, perfect. Um, right. But I think it absolutely gives you a better uh, ability to read the temperature of the contract mm-hmm. and the terms when you've mm-hmm. lived it for a few years. And you, right. No, I, I agree. I think that's, uh, that's a very important now, um, kind of getting back to to your research interest, um, you've you've done some very interesting research in, in regards to uh, surgeon fatigue, uh, and won an award um, last fall. Congratulations on that! Thank you. Um, how yeah? How did um, you know how how did your specific research interest play in uh, you taking uh, your current position as well? Well, it definitely did. You know, the research mm-hmm. I've been doing is focusing on physiologic stress, fatigue, um, sleep deprivation amongst surgeons. So, of course, mm-hmm. you know, what what better place to focus on uh, surgeon health and fitness than, you know, mm-hmm. sunny Denver, everyone's outside all the time doing right. something that they're hoping is healthy um, mm-hmm. until they <laughs> – have their ski accident, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, absolutely. And it was something that, um, in with my boss here, Dr. Mitch Cohen, um, mm-hmm. you know, he's very interested in it as well. And that was something that I think appealed to the group. It was a different niche. It was a different nuance mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. what's being done here. And again, as you know, you know, coming here, they do a lot. They do a lot of research. <laughs> all the time. Right. Of um, course. Of course. They're, you know, they're publishing constantly. And so I think for me, it did play a big role in the sense that I'm entering, you know, a group that 
also is very research-oriented and, and research-focused, but yet mine is mm-hmm. different. Right. And so, again, it helped kind of find my niche within the group as a partner. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so, absolutely, I think for me, it the research focus helped, absolutely. Right, right. No, I, I think, you know, when you're moving – when you're when you're going to a group that you know obviously is very established, um, uh, such as you know the group in in, in Denver, research focused, um, known for research. I think going there with a unique you know perspective, doing having your own niche, I think you know uh, is is important, wouldn't you say? I agree. I think it helps. Mm-hmm. You know, it helps you become a member of the group. You know, right. it's um. Every group is different, and mm-hmm. this group here had been together uh, for years, um, mm-hmm. different different amounts. But you know, you're trying to fit into an already working, an already sure. established to a certain extent group of people, and right. being able to offer something different and offer something unique, I think, is absolutely helpful. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, what are your thoughts about leadership training, um, you know, early on? You know, there are a number of different um, of, of sources available. Um, ACS uh, uh, leadership um, uh, course, um, I actually attended that a couple of years ago, at, um, which was um, incredible. And I know uh, East has a leadership uh, scholarship as well. What are what are your thoughts about that at you know this point in your career? Well, I'm a little biased. I'm a former recipient of the scholarship for the leadership development workshop at sure. East. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But here's the bottom line: is that every surgeon, no matter your title, no matter how many years out you are, you're a leader. Mm-hmm. You're leading a trauma bay. You're leading an operating room. You're leading an ICU team. Whether you have residents, whether you don't have residents, academic, community setting, regardless, you're still a leader. Right. And I can't say enough about whether it's the leadership development workshop, which was amazing, again, not only in the content it provided, but also my access to people who I can form relationships with and mm-hmm. call, pick up the phone and call them later, like, hey, you gave this lecture, and I have this question, and what are your thoughts on this? Um, mm-hmm. So, yes, in my opinion, I think every young surgeon absolutely at some point should take a leadership course. I think all it does is help broaden your horizons, helps either strengthen a skill set or establish a skill set, as well as, you know, we, we know the world – revolves around EQ, you know, the mm-hmm. emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. And I right. think mm-hmm. having those courses, again, forces you to think about how you behave and how you want to behave and the tools and skills that you need to transition from one to the other. So, mm-hmm. again, I absolutely recommend it. I think any sort of leadership training, if you're young faculty, middle faculty, late faculty, whichever, take the opportunity. Right. Just jump at right. it. Right. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Well, you know, I think we've um, covered a lot of uh, important points and topics related to career advancement and, uh, you know, uh, facilitating uh, moving up um, in academics, and not just academics, but in general. Um, you know, there are a lot of East members that are in private practice or in hybrid-type positions that, you know, I think uh, face some of these same considerations, if you will. 
Um, any take-home points? I mean, what would be your top, you know, say top three um, uh, things that you would uh, – think would be important for a junior person after their first couple of years where they've established themselves clinically, you know, they're a good surgeon, they they have good judgment, but now they're they're thinking to the future in academics. What would be some of the top three uh, milestones do you think they would need to meet to really facilitate moving up? I, I think the okay. three things is, number one, knowing yourself. Right. Knowing what you're good at, what you're not good at, your strengths, your weaknesses, what you enjoy and what you don't enjoy. And then from that, really crafting your mission statement to use mm -hmm. it as a guide when you're having the bad days, the good days, when there are tough choices to make. I'd say that's really the thing I cannot emphasize enough. One mm -hmm. is knowing yourself. Two is establish your family, your, quote, unquote, your surgical family. You know, I tell everyone right. – um, my advice in terms of mentorship, in terms of guidance, is really like a three-generation sort of thing. You kind of have your parents' generation mm -hmm. who's been there, who's done that. They're now looking back on their career and can give you such great 30,000-foot view advice. I think the second thing is that second generation is kind of your older sibling, mm -hmm. uh, you know, anywhere from five to ten years ahead of you who's been there and done that, but they're a little bit closer to the most recent right. been there and doing that. Um, Mm -hmm. And then also your peers, mm -hmm. people that are going through the same kind of questions, the same kind of challenges as you are, whether that's home, family, job, et cetera. Um, so I think first, knowing yourself, getting that mission statement. Secondly, um, really building your system, building your network of people. Mm -hmm. And I think third mm -hmm. thing is think opportunity, not just title. I like that. Great. Great. So I, you know, I think we can end it here. I think this is this has been very um, this has been very great information. It's been great talking to you. And oh, thank you. Congratu yeah, congratulations. You're doing a lot of really great and unique things. Um, so I'm sure we're going to see a lot more uh, a lot more things from you in the in the future. So well, let's hope so. <laughs> yeah. And thank you again. No, I appreciate it. I love. Yeah. Um, giving back to East because it's definitely given me so much.